Welcome to episode, oh, 46, 47. Oh, no, I didn't do the number count. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We've got uh, you, you got me, you got some cameras if you're watching on Patreon. I even got a backup camera tonight. It's the worst angle ever, but uh, it captures the glory that is my homeless man beard right now. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of proud of it in a way. But I want to thank you all for supporting the show, for uh, joining the show, for uh, supporting on Patreon so you can get the video version of this uh, and listen to other things on Patreon like our biggest win with uh, Robbie Smith and I, uh, first episode in the books, another episode in February. Uh, Lost Threads will be coming very soon to the Patreon page. I had uh, I picked up some uh, freelance work working for Fandom, so that might make it slightly uh, difficult this uh, month since uh, I'm recording on the last day of the month and have a big big project too. Woe is me, I know. Um, but uh, the show Lost Threads is a follow-up to episodes. I do have some follow-up things I want to get to, so maybe, maybe you'll get two in February. Maybe you'll get two. Uh, I hate to do like almost a formal intro on the show. Maybe that's not the most appropriate thing for me to do, but I do want to come here today to, to talk about serious things, as, as I have been doing for the last couple of episodes of The Blathering, and I always joke at the end, don't worry, one day we'll get light. And I, I do believe that. And I, I still think you got to try to find some humor in, in the dark shadows uh, every time, every day. So I'm just as I do here on the show, we go where we go. Um, we broadcast without a rope. Oh, that's almost a catchphrase. It'd almost be cute if I didn't want to talk about some really fucking serious stuff. Uh, but here, here's the thing. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, I, and I want to talk about um, not directly the incident that has now come to light in Memphis. The five, now six officers removed of their, of their job, five charged, fire three, at least, least three of the Memphis Fire Department. Uh, perhaps more EMTs, whatever, you know, and, and it's going to, by the way, it's going to crawl up it, and it should, this will get up to leadership. I, I think that uh, uh, police chief in Memphis is, is eventually going to have to go um, for just that. So that's what happens. You don't survive this. And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about the, uh, the, the big thing of that incident is, is the, the murder of uh, Tyree Nichols, which uh, I, I come to you here with, with some honesty of, of look, I, I, I'm s saying this person's name to honor their life, a uh, uh, person who, who made a difference in his community, went out skateboarding and took pictures of the sunset and was a father of a four-year-old and all those kind of things that you've been hearing going around. I, I'm not here to, um, it's, it, I guess it's just what I'm saying, it's weird to make content, particularly monetize content, when this tragedy happened to a person, to a family, to a community. To a people, that's that's a, that's that's a weird thing. But I also think this is this is why I'm here to talk about it. Now, also, it's it's weird on the, the day I'm recording, and the reason you're seeing, if you're watching the video, I have some I have some like uh, extra light on the screen here. Is I've got my computer up. Uh, there was today uh, an officer um, in Selma, California, small agency in Fresno County, I believe, Northern California, mid Northern California, who was uh, shot and killed on duty today. Um, which happens, and 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 I would love to, and I don't mean that uh, casually. That 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 happens, and it's tragic, uh, and, and it's going to continue to happen. And and uh, I want to say that uh, I want to say that officer's, na officer's name as well. I, I don't have it at the time of this recording. Uh, I don't have any information about his name. Uh, there, uh, I can't. I've been on five or six um, agency, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, news uh, sites and, and um, newspapers online. 
trying to look around, and as of uh, an hour prior to this recording, I can't find the name. So I don't want anyone to say, "Why well, are you saying one name and not the other?" and getting to that, and you know, and and uh, it, it's a it's a reminder, and and it's a sad, tragic reminder of the of the evil in the world on all sides, uh, around every corner, and. I want every officer to go home safe. I am someone, and I'm not going to back down to that belief of, of someone who believes or wants to believe is going to continue to try to believe in what law enforcement could be and has been at times and that there are the, the good people on the job. I have a massive amount of problems with the good people on the job because they ain't doing shit to clean up their own houses. But none of that, none of my anger I have for it, anger that's been brewing for these um, those those officers, type of officers for years, um, takes away from this kind of tragedy because this is, is senseless in its own way. It's a 23 year old suspect, criminal background, uh, including uh, for you know legal possession of firearms and robbery. Uh, and some people are going to point out he, he's out on probation, a part of California's AB 109 law, uh, which that might that that causes some understandable furor and debate. I have experienced that kind of stuff. I don't know this law with every detail, to, to be blunt, but uh, at one of the last years of my tenure as a public safety director, there was a, a law change and we saw violent crime rise, at least in terms of the stats. And that stuff is something that goes into this too. And, and I'm trying to here to have all those kind of, um, not even have all those conversations, but it just kind of opened up my heart and say there, there, there's, there's so much to discuss in these situations. But... Um, don't fall for anyone who's going to who put up the uh, thin blue line flag, which we talked about last week. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for, fall for the blue lives matter shit um, because that is, uh, that is such a deflection and used as a deflection um, for this stuff. If you see officers and they have uh, badges with, with black bands around them, do what you want, say what you want. I, I, they're, they're, they're honoring a loss in their community. And if, and if you don't give a damn, you don't give a damn. I'm not telling you to give a damn. That's, that is different than flapping up that thin blue line flag and saying blue lives matter, which means you are clueless or choose to be clueless or maybe it's not aware of how clueless you are to the issues. It's such a deflection. But I'm sad for that family. I'm sad and I want every, every officer to go home safely. I still have friends on there, even whether I talk to them or not regularly. Still have family members uh, wearing those uniforms um, and they're people too. And that's what I'm here to talk about. The murder of Tyree Nichols, it, it did not have to happen, right? I don't care how it started. I don't care how it started. We know how it started for the most part from what we see. We know how it ended. It didn't have, didn't have to happen. A waste, an absolute waste, cold callous waste of a, of a human life. Just ridiculous. Just infuriating. And it's going to happen again. I'm not here to talk about solutions. I'm here to talk about my own perspective. If you don't want to listen, now this is not the episode. Uh, I went to 7-Eleven, had two slices of pizza the other day. I can talk about that in another podcast. All right. Uh, if that's what you come to Ken Napsuck for, because uh, that's what I used to do regularly. That stuff still is in my heart. And I still, still want to talk about stuff. But I, I've talked about this issue, talked a lot about it last week. And I, I thought last week maybe would be the last time I talk about law, the law enforcement side of, of, of life uh, for a while. Uh, but but here we are, and, and I want to talk about this now. I want to talk about this here. Um, I, I I don't know where to go with it. I don't know what to say. 
other than, other than I'll start here for maybe those who are tuning in and haven't been listening on the Patreon page or haven't been following me closely. I did make an appearance on the Amateur Hour produced uh, Wanger show the other night. Me and Christian Rubacaba had a great time. We talked about a lot of this serious stuff. The chat was very supportive. Some comments came in later um, mocking us for talking about real world issues. Um, those people can go fuck themselves. But I... Uh, I knew I was going to talk about this stuff and I, I acknowledged that, Hey, we had fun. We had, we had silliness on that show. And we had serious stuff that those two things can exist. Silly and serious can exist in the same person and in the same podcast. I, I, I don't know if that's going to be found today. I keep coming back to, to, to my experiences and, I, and what I was starting to say there almost had a lost thread to those who haven't checked in with me in a while. Let me just acknowledge sometimes what I used to dance around, what I used to just deny and, I'm going to clarify some things when I'm talking about this because this comes up every now and then. I've gotten some emails, wonderful emails, actually, people trying to clear it up. I, I am not, nor have I ever been a sworn peace officer, a police officer, never been that. Um, came close, was going to get into the process, came close in the sense of almost went to take the test and went to do it. And I just, I just knew I, I knew it wasn't for me in the end. Uh, I had an uncle who uh, still... Still around, uh, 50, did 55 years in LAPD, uh, uh, split between active and reserves, and, and he was my security director when I moved to LA. He had retired, and he became a security director and got me a job there uh, and, and encouraged me all the time. You'd be, you'd be a good copper. You should do it. And a lot of people tell me you'd be a good copper. You should do it. And, and uh, maybe I should have because maybe I would have been a good cop. I don't know. After hear some of the stories uh, I tell, I don't know if I would have. Uh, and, and that's part of what I talk about because I think I'm a good dude. Not perfect. I did have two pieces of pizza from 7-Eleven, but I think I'm a good dude, but good old Jorah Mormont. Let's quote Game of Thrones. Good old Jorah Mormont. There's a beast in every man and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. It's one of my favorite quotes from Game of Thrones. It is uh, both wise, insightful, and frightening. True. Because I've done some things too. I've done some things. Um... But I always want to clarify that because there's a difference between what I did for 17 years and what other people have done, do, and will do. Um, my job was at times very dangerous. I was in the public safety industry for 17 years uh, as, as a line officer, there was like shift supervisors, command staff, all the way up to a, a security director, assistant security director, and then finally a, a, a big, big public safety director of a, of a, of a large L.A. mall. And the other mall I worked at was more of a, a outside market historical location, which meant I dealt with uh, agencies like FBI and everything because we were uh, on terrorist lists. And we were at the, uh, uh, a lot of people have heard of the famous Grove in LA. Uh, we were there. That was that was the property I was on. So I dealt with some stuff. It, and, and everyone, I used to run for it because it, it's a mocked industry. And from Paul Blart to mall rats to... Uh, characters and you think of Terminator 2 with the dumb old fat mustache security guard getting his coffee and T-1000 kills him and, you know, just a dumb old security guard. Think of, think of that. And, 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 you know, we shouldn't be a protected class or anything like that. I, you know, not taking it that too serious. Because um, quite frankly, there's a lot of people in the industry. It's an underpaid, undertrained industry. And, and you do get a lot of just uh, those types in there. It, it, it's It's true. Um, and you get some young folks fresh out of military looking to restart. You get a lot of people, um, especially when I worked, a lot of people um, trans trying to transition into law enforcement. I worked for a security department that was uh, built by uh, my uncle, who I said was a, a LAPD officer. And our system was built entirely on the LAPD system from, from radio codes. We don't use 10 codes. We're not playing fort with our friends. We used LAPD radio codes. Know the penal codes, know the laws. 
involved with hundreds of rest of my time. You dealt with serious stuff. We didn't deal with $10 lockets being stole, stolen from Claire's accessories. We dealt with organized retail theft. We dealt with heart attacks, strokes, and anything. A mall is a small city, especially back in the day. And for some people who listen to the show, they've heard this kind of stuff before. I apologize. But I just want to set the table. That's where my heart's telling me to go. I want to set the table. Uh, yeah, so a mall is a small city. On any given day, especially the weekends, my job as a public safety director was to maintain uh, the safety of 20,000 people coming in and out. When you think of it in those terms, the industry should have more respect than it does and should be more funded than it does, than it is. Um, but security, public safety is generally there for liability, meaning you can, if you're sued, you can at least go, well, we hired security. We're sorry it happened, but we hired them. They don't then pay them well. They don't then train them well. They don't uh, staff them well. And therein lies a lot of problems. But I say all that to say, number one, my job is more serious than most people in the public want to give it credit for. Uh, it was something that was part of my life for so long. And uh, our, our security department had active uh, LAPD police officers working out of a substation in our office. And in the early days, particularly when my uncle was in charge, we would go out and calls with them. We'd ride in the cars with them. We'd arrest people with them. We'd put handcuffs on for them. <laughs> we would do all that. And it was all done to essentially recruit. My uncle wanted to put a lot of people on the, the police departments, not just LAPD, but any agency. And he did. He, I think uh, over 30 pictures hang, uh, hung on our wall in a two, three-year period of people who uh, started out security and processed and, and went on to law enforcement. And so I've uh, done some things. So often when it when it, for years when all this stuff started started really taking off and, and police brutality has existed since the moment uh, the, the concept was introduced into the world. Because also, spoiler, brutality has existed uh, ever since someone came into power, right? And I think that's one of the things. This is a societal issue. This truly is. Uh, does not, I'm not saying that to take any blame away from um, law enforcement uh, uh, officers who would do things uh, wrong do do things wrong. Um, but I'm here to, I'm here to talk about it. And, and I'm here to talk about things I've talked about before, the emotions of it. I've talked, I've said this on Force Center. I've said this here on, Bla, on the Blathering. I've said this on Knapsack Files. I've said this on live streams. One of the biggest problems I think law enforcement has is this hardening of the heart. At the end of the day, that is their choice and their fault. fault. And it was my fault too when it happened to me. I'm no, no blames on society, but society does put that, put officers in that kind of situation. And I'm going to hopefully explain how. And I'm not, again, that's no fingers because we're here uh, post uh, uh, the murder of Tyree Nichols. He will not be the last, unfortunately. We're here post the murder of an uh, of a, of a officer on duty in Selma, California. Unfortunately, he will not be the last. And we're here to talk about it. I, uh, I'll start here. Uh, I, I've told some stories before. And people have always said in the past, because I'll say, oh, man, I've done some crazy things in security. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't believe what happened. You won't believe it happens uh, when a, a police officer gets a call for service. You don't, you, when you call them because your laptop got stolen from your Hyundai and a police officer shows up to take a report, if it, number one, it might be a police officer in what they call sometimes a, at a bigger agency, the U-boat, at least in LAPD, it's called the U-boat. One officer um, in a car by himself goes and takes the dumb, boring reports no one else has time for, right? So you might get that guy who just kind of doesn't like his existence anyways. Or you might get an officer who just uh, had a grandmother die in his arms. You might get an officer who she just came from a call where uh, a, a, a child was uh, taken from the home because the child was being abused by their parents. You, you don't know. 
because they do the incidents and they go back station and they do the reports and maybe they get, they get uh, some T-bone, some overtime for doing the report, but then they have to, at some point, go back out in the field. And there's no counseling, there's no therapy, there's no screaming into a pillow, there's nothing. You go, you, you get back out there. So grandma, uh, someone's grandma dies in your arms and, and you're there and waiting for the fire department to show up and, and you're doing CPR and grandma dies and you clear and your supervisors come out and coroner comes out and you fill the reports and then next thing you know, you go back in the field and, and someone calls because they left their MacBook on their dashboard and some opportunistic criminal comes by, smashes the windshield, takes the dashboard and that person with the MacBook is screaming at the police officer why won't you stop crime i pay your salary what are you doing and grandma just died in his arms and they can't process it all right that, that, that's what happens that's what's going on that's why it's 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 a psychological thing that happens and you put people in power you put a sword in their hands and and, and the beast stirs so i go to the store people have always asked me for some of the stuff that's happened I, I've mentioned it. I'll mention it. One night I show up, showed up to Schmoes to produce the Schmoes No Movie podcast and do the news and be all goofy. And I had just had a guy with a knife and a chain try to uh, kill me in the parking structure of the mall. And it was it was intense, insane. And I had to get in my car and, and go talk about Batman, right? That's why, that's why less and less I gave a fuck about Batman or any, any movie other than Star Wars. Um, so I, I tell stories. I tell stories. Not a lot of them on air. A lot of them weird, a lot of them silly. I'll tell you the story. One time we had a we had a, a suspicious package and it was shaking and it was shaking and we thought it was a bomb and, and there's a procedure we go through and the security departments don't just call the police and say, 911, there's a bomb, come get it. We have to go confirm as much as we can before we call them because they won't show up. Because by the way, cops kind of hate security too. And then the bomb squad came out and they blew it up and it was a fucking dildo, a vibrator that had gone off. Seriously, hand to God. All right, that's that's so I would tell those stories and people laugh. But I'm here to tell the story of, of a story happened early in my career and why I think it it, it feeds into some of the stuff you're, you're dealing with now and what you have now. The stuff in Memphis and the Scorpion unit unit um, going along trying to uh, rid the streets of crime and the methods in which they do it. I quoted uh, the Nicholson on the Wanger show the other night, but I'll say it again here. You, you need me on that mall. You need me in that mall slip. You need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. You, you, you sleep under the blanket of freedom I provide, and then you question the way I provide it. That Nicholson speech is, is he's a villain. <laughs> and I sometimes even I have to remind, remind myself he's a villain. But go back to that speech and try for a second to, 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 to start there with my story, okay? That Nicholson speech, how I keep you safe and the methods in which I keep you safe, how dare you question? That's the start of a lot of this. So you have this Memphis unit, the Scorpion unit. I'm sure every, every department, every big city, every, every agency has these kind of units. I always joke, if you see bicycle cops, don't fucking make fun of them, man. They're usually the toughest of the tough. <laughs> do not a lot of people i've seen stand-up comics i was pulled over by a bike cop ching 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 ding the, the bike bell pulls me over they're usually specialized units they're on that bike to, for a reason they can handle themselves be careful but here's the my, my story it goes to justice and meeting uh, injustice with justice again oh hey, quoting daenerys targaryen oh there's a story the story and arc the trajectory of daenerys targaryen is an interesting thing to bring into this conversation I started my security career in uh, October-ish, I think early November. 
1998. Uh, around that time, uh, again, a security department led by uh, my uncle, and uh, it was had a very good reputation. Um, it was well funded by the the malls, the mall company that that owned us. We had a lot of officers. We had off duty police officers working with us. Uh, we had on duty police officers out of a substation at the mall, all that kind of stuff. We actually had won like an award because there had been a Saturn. Remember the old Saturn cars? You could still. You could steal a Saturn car with simple, something as simple as a screwdriver within seconds at a mall or anywhere in front of your house. Uh, these criminals are quick. Gone in 60 seconds, that movie, that's too long. I've seen cars stolen in 15 seconds. I've seen catalytic converters stolen in 15 seconds. That's how good that is, right? And we had, when we had stopped someone who would, uh, uh, there was a suspect who had uh, all up and down California. It was, it was, it went on dateline. It was like, we, we had, we'd stopped them. Our camera room, had got them. We arrested this person, 72 car thefts under their belt. So we had a good department, good reputation. And around this time in the fall of 1998, there was a guy, a suspect uh, described as a, a white male, a blondish, brownish hair, uh, maybe ear length or shoulder length, thin build. That was our description. That's all the witnesses could give. By the way, in 17 years of taking witness statements, not one witness has ever been 100% correct. Never, never's happened. Hand to God, never's happened. That was our description. And this person would... Uh, Walk around the mall and go into the mall corridors and go across from stores like Frederick's of Hollywood, Victoria's Secret, or any store that had females working in it or females going in and out of it. This is a mall in the 90s. A lot of people. Nowadays, they're a little bit uh, ghost towns. And he, uh, he would jerk off. Pull it out. Whack it. More than often than not, they'd see it. Sometimes I'm sure he got away with it. These uh, girls often... 16, 17, 18, 20 years old, ex ex exposed to this, exposed to this exposure, horrific, bad. You wouldn't want that happen to your mom, sister, girlfriend, cousin, any human. It, you just don't want that. This person was a bad person. Now, this person may have had some things in their life that put them there, or may have needed some therapy along the way, may, need, may needed, uh, have needed a lot of things. I don't know. We weren't in a position to do that, just like uh, law enforcement officers aren't, aren't in a position uh, to come up to the scene and immediately know your entire life's history of, of mental trauma or addictions or abuses that put you in the situation, right? Again, part of probably part of some of the training issue we need and blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. I hate to say that. I don't mean to undercut the power of that stuff. So this guy, he's jerking it in the mall in front of women. And he's doing this for a long time, like months. We couldn't, we couldn't get him. And again, we had a, I, I said all the stuff earlier about the security department to say we, we weren't just bumbling mall cops that people, like people knew us. The LAPD knew us. The city knew us. City officials knew us. The, the store managers had a good relationship with us. We had a good reputation. We had a good reputation as a security department. And we couldn't catch this guy. So we get calls all the time and we'd run after him. And we'd chase him and he'd get away. He'd go into the mall corridors or he'd go outside. He'd cut through Sears. He'd cut through Robinson May. We couldn't get him. He always seemed to know. He always seemed to know where to go. And we couldn't get him. And our description was vague. We weren't overlooking this. We Every every night, we, we'd show up. I'd show up for like 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. was my first shift for a year and a half of, of working on the job. And, and <laughs> like, you'd show up and it was like, did we get him? Are we going to get him? Are we gonna, is tonight the night we're going to get him? We, we, would, we would do that every night. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But, he, but we, at 5.30, he showed up. He did it again. No, no, no. So one day, uh, I do show up for work, and we, we, um, we had video footage of him. 
our camera room, which was fully staffed at the time, with a non-uniformed officer leading it. Da, da, da. Um, we caught this guy in the parking structure of the mall, not one of the dark shadows, like three in the afternoon on a sec two stairwell of a two-level parking structure. Our camera room said, this guy's suspicious. They followed him, and he just, in, in, a, in a stairwell on a main service road by the mall, just pulls it out and starts masturbating right there. And we're like, this has got to be the guy, or quite frankly, it could be a, another guy, but we got to get this guy. He had He had done it. Less than 100 yards from our security station and all the people, everyone, I was again, wasn't there. My shift started at 7 p.m. This is about 2, 3 in the afternoon. I saw the videotape when I got to work that night. Everyone was huddled around the video camera. Oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. So we go, everyone runs out to chase him. He runs back through the mall. He disappears in the court. We, we, he gets away. And, and the store managers, by this time, they're pissed at us. You got to get this guy. He's, he's committing a sex crime in front of these these, these poor girls who are showing up to work or showing up to the mall. He's this is he's menacing. This is horrible, right? Everyone's kind of getting mad at us. How, how, how has this been going for so long? Now we have video of him and eh, we can't, we still, we chasing after him. A bunch of young athletic officers, men and young women, uh, fresh out of the military. No one can catch him. So finally one night, I show up, I show up for work and we, they, everyone's like, we got him, we got him. High fives all around, adrenaline pump and fist. Bump. Oh my God, it was so fucking awesome. We caught him today. And he had gone into uh, one of the corridors he had often done uh, near Fredericks of Hollywood in the mall. And, and he had um, gone into the second level of a, of a mall service corridor. And if you know mall service corridors, uh, now if you go to like a high-end mall these days, they're, 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 they've got a tile and or maybe carpet and beautiful lighting and wall sconces. And a lot of malls have that now. I laugh at that stuff now. Most malls, especially in the heyday of them, eh, maybe the management corridor looks nice. Every other corridor is very industrial, is how we'll describe it. Brick, almost castle-like walls. And they're chipped and they're graffitied. Concrete floor that's not beautiful concrete. It's just the leftover. Put it here because we're just moving crates back and forth. And every every mall corridor had it for me. I, I could still, this day, 24 years later, what is it, 24? I could still go to, uh, you could blindfold me and take me to that mall and take me in a corridor and I'd probably guess the number of the corridor that it is based on the smell alone. The smells are, are <laughs> horrific. The food, grease, weed, feces, you name it, perfume, all of it's in there. So they're not comfort environments. And they're stairwells usually, internal stairwells that you don't see in the public that usually are big, big, uh, hard-edged concrete steps um, and they're not just one flight. Usually they wind around in a town. And this guy, who I think I hope, uh, you know, maybe I'm not painting the picture. No one wanted this guy here. No one wanted him jerking off in front of people. Everyone from the security department, the mall management, the customers who were aware, who had experienced the crime, the, the female employees, any employee working there, the store managers, everyone wanted us to get this guy and they were angry we hadn't. So... This night we get him. We get this creep. And the officers on duty chase him into this corridor. And they saw a great opportunity. Because by this point, we're angry at this dude. We're angry. at His crime, oh, by the way, his crime, we all agreed was not good. We weren't cheering on his crime. But we, we couldn't have given a fuck about the crime. He could have been stealing Hello Kitty pencils. Didn't matter. 
The crime didn't matter. And I do think that's key to the conversation. The crime doesn't matter. We just viewed him as a criminal. He could have been still a chronic Hello Kitty, uh, you know, uh, pencil thief. But he was making us look bad. Everyone was pissed at us. We wanted his hide. Just so happens this guy was committing sex crimes. So we saw an opportunity. I'll say we, it wasn't there, but we, I, I know all about it. We saw an opportunity to get at him. So we didn't just catch him and take him into custody. The department, the officers responding, threw him down those stairs intentionally, like a bag of potatoes. He, he didn't suffer any serious injuries as far as I remember. He didn't lose a leg. He didn't break an arm. He didn't snap a neck. He didn't die. But he could have. Because if you've ever seen the stairs, they're not pretty. If you've ever been thrown downstairs by five or six dudes, young strapping lads, it's probably not going to end well for you. As always, when we have an incident uh, involving arrest, we call the police. The police show up. The police said something like, hey, he looks a little, uh, looks a little hurt. Oh, yeah, we said with a wink. I think he, he ran from us. I think he tripped. Uh, and the officer said, oh, oh, wink, wink. Did he trip? Got it. We'll take a look at him when we get back. And we were, uh, we were happy. We had him shipped off. We taught him a lesson. We answered injustice with justice. And everyone cheered. Everyone cheered. And for the last 20 plus years, uh, to the people I've told that store, uh, story in private, they all go, wow, that's awesome. That guy got it. What a creep. I'm glad that, oh, yeah, you should have sliced off his dick. That's what you should have done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no one's fault, by the way. I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone saying that to me when I tell the stories or any one of those store managers who celebrated the arrest. By the way, I don't know if they knew what we did. And if we did tell them, they probably went, yeah, good. That guy's a sicko. Take him out to the field and shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah. That started my career out. Again, I was not even involved directly with these incidents, but that's what I was like. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So the next case comes along and maybe it is someone stealing pencils and maybe they mouth off to you. Maybe you take them into a corridor or maybe you rough them up. Or maybe you put your knee in the back of your neck. By the way, I've done that many times. I've done it many times. It subdues people real quick. I didn't do it for nine minutes because that would be monster-like. I've need people in necks. I've twisted wrists and ankles and not in the trained appropriate way. Every next person that came along was a criminal. And our goal was to hunt down and keep the streets safe at any cost. Streets being, you know, upper level of the mall next to Claire's accessories. But again, it's crime, it's people. And that builds and that builds and it builds. And you feel as though you're doing the right thing. Right? You need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. I'm just talking about keeping 20,000 people in a mall happy with their orange Julius. Take that to a city. Take that to the streets. And I will tell you this again, and you'd listen to me if you don't believe me. Crime is real. Crime is a problem. Evil is real. In a perfect world, we have perfect people working law enforcement, and they protect and serve. 
We never will. We can only strive. But guess what? It's not just them. We all need to strive for a little better. But again, not taking any. That scorpion unit who, who passed around Tyree Nichols like a, like a, uh, just a, a, a bag. But I want to say this, man. I did watch that footage. I did watch that footage. It was, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was, you watched this essentially person have the life beat out of them, even though I know he died a little later, but for anyone who wants to counter me, um, but essentially he died. The life's being beaten, beaten out of him. He's calling for his mom. It's horrendous. Not easy to watch, but I'm going to say this. It wasn't shocking to me. I've seen that. I've been around for that. I've done it. And what a lot of people were correctly disturbed by, if they if if, if you watched the tape and you you got through the violence, it was that was rightfully appalling, rightfully uh, 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 gut shattering. I saw a lot of people tweeting the other end of it that after it was done, there's 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 camera footage, there's the chest cameras of the officers, you know, high fiving. Yeah, that was oh, that was some fun shit. We kicked his ass. Oh yeah, and, and 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 if you could, don't watch the other stuff. Maybe you don't need to see any of this. But that part is, I don't want to say more of the problem because a person died over in this part of the problem. But that is what I'm talking about because it's fun. The violence is fun. I would sit around my job when I was a director or assistant director. Doing reports, insurance slip and falls, employee evaluations, looking at the internet, dreaming about a life outside the mall. And I wasn't, you know, I'm not a particularly uh, brutal guy. I'm not a particularly uh, athletic guy. Um, I'm not going to take MMA fighting lessons anytime soon. But I would sit around just waiting, especially if I worked on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday night. Just wait. Oh, man, I hope there's a fight tonight. I hope we get that call. I always say it's the first responder's blood. Everyone's running out and you're running in. And unless you've experienced it, unless you know it, or unless you have it, I don't think you fully understand it. It's insanely fun. So a lot of people get into law enforcement, law, fire departments as well, but we're focusing on law enforcement tonight. But we get into that or or the people that go on to law enforcement, but me who stuck around for 17 years in public safety, I I can tell you, I hated when I would be at home writing up my schmoes news and I get a call. Hey, Ken, we found a suspicious package or this, you got it. And I'd have to come in after hours. I hated to drive over there. Oh, my night's ruined. Calling vice presidents, calling regional directors in Chicago. Hey, we got this. Go LAPD bomb squads on the way. But man, was it fucking fun. Fucking fun. A couple big earthquakes and I have to run into the mall where people are running out screaming. Happened a couple times. That was fucking fun, man. Ain't no doubt about it. It was fucking fun. And so was the violence. So was the violence. We'd high five. We'd give ourselves a pat on the back. We did good jobs. And we did it every time. And it did not matter if the person was a sex criminal 
or if they had stolen money from a tip jar. And it didn't matter that our particular job, we weren't sworn peace officers. Was Our job was to stop whatever we could, protect property, protect the patrons, protect the employees, call the police, keep things safe, end the night. But that didn't stop us a lot of times because that wasn't fun. Chasing someone off mall property because they stole two pairs of jeans and waving at them as they flip you off and call you a rent-a-cop and mall cop and wannabe and they're flipping you off and you're waving at them because you can't step out onto the sidewalk on the public property and they know it. That was horrible. So my department had an answer for that. We'd go fucking get them. And they were shocked as hell four or five security guards and an off-duty police officer. Uh, and at one point for a long time, we had a canine unit there. We would go fucking chase you and we'd find you and we'd hurt you. We'd turn you over to the police or sometimes the police would join in. And let me tell you something. Those people are fucking assholes. The dude stealing your two pairs of jeans. I'm not worried about structures, jean sales. But the person doing it is a fucking asshole. And so we'd go do that stuff. And not every time did we jam their heads into a door or throw them down. Sometimes we'd, they, they stopped, put their hands up, and we put handcuffs on them. Sometimes we tackle them, the handcuffs go on. And a lot of, it's hard to put handcuffs on, believe you me. But a lot of times, more often than not, we'd surround them. They'd say, sorry, it was done. Believe me when I say that. And, and, and most, you won't believe me today. You won't believe me right now. The most arrests and police encounters, they, they go that way. Not every one of them ends up in an all-out life and death scrum. And not every life and death scrum between a, a police officer and, and a suspect or a police officer and an individual or a police officer and a subject not every life and scrum is life and death, and or excuse me, not every life and death scrum you see is against policy, is incorrect, and and that's the that's where the confusion lies, among many other horrendous things. I really believe that. I really believe that. So when so when we go capture and take into custody the sex fiend that's jerking off in the hallway, and we grab him by his collar, we throw him down the stairs, we feel as though we have done a good job. And the next one comes along and we do, and we feel as though we've done a good job. And people start cheering us, and we cheer ourselves, and we love the violence. We love the violence. We crave the violence. Ever wonder why, you, you know, you show up to report that uh, your your garden gnome got kicked in your front yard. You think your neighbor did it. You're looking your ring footage and you want to file a report. And the police officer shows up four hours later and you're like telling them the story. And, and my garden gnome is hurt. My garden gnome is hurt. And the officer's like, okay. And you feel as though you weren't serviced and they were kind of rude and they were short. And you, you know why? Because that's boring as fuck. And that's not why you did the, got into the job. A lot of the people I know who started a career in law enforcement got in for good reasons. My own uncle, he made the decision to, to join because um, um, his, his sister, younger sister and brother were kidnapped from him by, by their father, stepfather situation from alcohol. Kidnapped on the beach. They beat up my 18-year-old uncle. Uh, he screamed for help on a public beach on a crowded day. No one helped him. And he said, I, I'm going to be an officer to help somebody. Uh, one of my bosses, his dad was... Um, in Philadelphia, was um, uh, shot and killed in a mugging at, at his favorite diner. 
And eventually my boss, my old boss, he was retired LAPD police lieutenant. He was spectacular at his job. He's like, that's why I got into it. A lot of people do get into it. But even then the violence is fun. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's fun. You're, you, you get the call, 415 Frank. That's 415 fight. Uh, 415 is a public disturbance penal code. We would call it 415 Frank fight. And you get, and you sprint out of your office and you sprint out of there. You're so fucking happy. Yes, my Friday night just got interesting. And then you get there and there's two people fighting. By the way, they're not fighting you. All you need to do is say, stop, stop. Police are on the way. More often than not, they'll scatter. And it's 17-year-old kid and they're fighting over, you know, two 17-year-olds are fighting over a 16-year-old girl. Or da, 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 da. A lot of times, though, it is gangs. And you don't know, by the way, the call goes out. The call doesn't go out, hey, there's two 17-year-olds fighting over Twizzlers at a movie theater. Or, hey, uh, there, uh, there's a fight between uh, Bacoima Pyru Bloods and Bryant Street Gangs. That's not the call. The call is from someone out on there in the, in the property or someone out there in the city going, there's two people fighting. Please come. So you go. And when you get there, if there's a window of opportunity to beat them up, you will take it. If there's a window of opportunity to hurt them, you'll take it. Why? Because they're bad people to you. That's the job. We're the good folks. They're the bad folks. However, I stop the bad folks is how I do it. How dare you question the way I provide that peace. And it's fun. So when I was watching the footage out of Memphis, horrified, yes. Shocked? No. Not at all. Not shocked at all. Let me catch my breath for a second here. There's no solution for this. I'm saying all this to admit it, to acknowledge it. Because then what has started to happen over the years, and this has been on, by the way, this is, if you watch... Um, documentaries about the 60s, 1968, 1971, uh, some of the prison riots in 71. You watch the stuff. If you go back, go back to the 50s, you go back, you hear it. You know, the, the, this, is, this is what's built into the police cops versus robbers mentality. Uh, an old friend of mine uh, who I worked security with had worked as a police officer in Scotland at a different time. He was well older than me, 25, 30 years older than me. And he would tell me part of my rounds in Scotland, part of my rounds as a police officer was to go door to door to, to, the, to the moms at home. The dads are at work. The moms are at home. And I would, I would, I would get a list. Of, uh, the moms would tell me if their kids, if I needed to, to beat their kids that day. Now, I can't verify this. I, I wasn't in Edinburgh uh, during this time. Uh, but he would say, this, this was my job. This was, the, was part of my job as a cop. Yes, stop criminals. But also go around, roll up my sleeves, leather whip the kid and say, your dad's at work. You listen to your mom. It's all justice. It's all cops and robbers. It's all bad guys versus good guys. And along the way, what starts to happen is society is not going to take it anymore. And cameras start getting a lot easier to have. Phones start getting put in your place. And, and I've told some specific stories before, so I won't go into them here on the show. But I will say this. In your head... You're rushing code three to a call that involves, from your perspective, bad people doing bad things, putting good people, innocent people at risk. 
and you go to the situation and you roll up your sleeves and you take care of the problem. And sometimes you're praised for it. But more often than not, now everyone's going to question it. And again, there's sometimes some of the violence you see during arrests, during loss prevention stops. I'll stop short of saying the word justified out of respect for the current situations in our, in our world. But they're not as bad as you, the general public, think. They aren't. They aren't. So because someone like me has that experience, I'm at a scene doing something for your safety. I'm keeping you safe. But now you're videotaping me. Now you're yelling at me. Now you're, 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 you're suing me. Now you're trying to get my job. Now you're trying to put me in jail. How dare you? I'm keeping you safe. And then your heart starts to harden. And that criminal, that person underneath you, isn't a human being. It, 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 you don't know the difference between them as a sex criminal or them as a petty thief. You know they fought you. You know you want them off the streets. You know you got to do what you got to do because a lot of police officers are fond of the statement, brutal men, uh, you know, do brutal things to keep you safe. There's this quotes. They all use those fucking quotes. This is why they identify with the Punisher, even though that's incorrect and it's a character made to uh, uh, address the problems in law enforcement. We'll say that nicely. But they get the, they get the tattoos on the Punisher. Look, look at me, I'm the Punisher. They feel they're doing that. They all feel they're vigilantes for justice. They're Batman. I'm Batman. And you don't see it. There's a saying, could be in any police agency in the world. I don't know. But there was a saying, and by the way, I'll say, I don't know if it's currently used regularly. It's definitely not a public saying. But there was a saying that I was taught by my many of my uh, uh, former bosses who were former LAPD and former LAPD SWAT team and all that kind of stuff. Some of my bosses were involved in the North Hollywood shootout and they received awards for that because, well, I think they showed us if you watch the tape. Okay. There's some questions about the end of that. There were some lawsuits, I believe. But watch it. Watch. Go on YouTube. Watch the 44 minutes of the North Hollywood shootout. One of my former bosses, who I don't agree with a lot of his opinions on the world, I think, right now, I do respect what he did in that incident. He's one of the ones on the ground shooting beneath the car to take out uh, one of the shooters. So you do all that. You love doing that. You need to do it. But you don't see the people underneath you. As human. And that's the, that's the phrase that I was taught. There was a, a term in, in the LAP. Again, it's not official. It was not on the books. It was just one of those uh, words around the station. N-H-I. No humans involved. So you'd roll up to a scene. It's a dead body on the ground or there's two people injured. And another officer would ask the other officer, NHI? Uh, no, no, actually, this is a, or, yeah, gang members, NHI. Now, me personally, kind of like, I, I've dealt with a lot of gangs in LA. I dealt with them more than you would believe. And uh, there's something, all right? There's something. Again, I don't 
want to, I don't understand. It's not for me to determine how they got there and the social economic system that put them there. There's a lot of, I used to say this about the homeless. The homeless have a special place in my heart, but I used to have to deal with a lot of the farmer's market. Some of them were very violent. Some of them were very dangerous. Some of them were very sweet. I've told some of those stories here before. I won't repeat them, but I, you know, I, I, so how they got there, the problems of the unhoused, I, I couldn't deal with that. I had to deal with the scene in front of me. So a lot of officers show up. NHI, NHI, no humans involved. So you go around with that in your heart and you go around with a hard heart because you view yourself as the, as the lone uh, uh, keeper of the peace. You are the, the vigilante. You are on the wall. You're the, you're, the, you're the Batman. You're the Dark Knight. And more often than not, they, they do keep you safe. And more often than not, they do help. And, and more often than not, some of the detectives do solve horrible crimes. Often they mess it up. Yes, you can see a bunch of true crime docs that will show you all the detectives that messed it up. Yep, yep, yep. You try investigating a crime. But you carry that in your heart. And then when people start questioning, questioning it, you can't do that. You can't do the chokehold. You can't leave your neck on the back of the, uh, your, your, your knee on the back of their neck for nine minutes and kill them. You can't throw them downstairs. You are not the judge, jury, and executioner. You are a peace officer who, yes, one needs you to go home safe. And yes, sometimes that mean, uh, means horrible things will happen. And sometimes, again, I don't, I don't, um, not the weak to justify any shootings for uh, officer involved shootings. Some are, some are, you're going to hear, you're going to hate this, but some are, some are, some are righteous. All right. But you put all that and then you start getting told your power is gone too far. Your power, you know, we need you to relook at your power. We need you to relook at yourself. We can't have you high fiving after you beat someone to an inch of their life and then that inch goes away and they die. We can't, you can't do that because that is not right in this society. You are not the ones to make that determination. We want you on that wall. We need you on that wall. But the way in which you provide it is now uh, inhuman. It is toxic. It is destructive. And it is not protecting nor serving. And by the way, most of them just don't really care about that anyways. They don't really want to care about that ever. Some of them do. And to the good cops. And if you're listening this far and you're one of the good cops, what do I keep saying? What do I keep saying to the so-called good Republicans, to the so-called good Christians, to the so-called good cops? Clean up your own house because we're all getting really exhausted cleaning it up for you, but we're gonna. Society is moving forward. Society is changing. The battle is already won. You have lost. You must adapt or leave. I know in my heart, a lot of those officers out there mean well. I know them personally. I know their names. I know their kids' names. I know their wife's names. They are humans and they mean well. But they've lost it. Because I did too. 17 years in that job. I was one of the good ones, I would think. Right? I had the ability, because I didn't have a gun on my hip to go to. I had the ability to um, talk to people, communicate, calm things down. I had that ability. And I often had to deploy that. That was my weapon. Reason, compassion, empathy. I was good at it. I was really good at it. I was often, that's why I was often told by, by, by some folks, a lot of folks I know, hey, you, you, you should be a police officer. You'd be a really good police officer because you, you, you communicate. And a lot of the guys in the department, a lot of the women in the department just don't. They don't know how. But even I, more often than not, 
given the chance to do violent things in the name of justice above and beyond the call of that moment, I would do it. And if I didn't do it, and I was in a supervisory position, I would turn my back on it, look the other way, and keep encouraging it. Because that's what we did. We are the monsters in the shadows that go thump. We are the brutal beings that keep you safe. We are the night in the darkness. If you're laughing at me like, eh, eh, no, that's the kind of sh shit we tell ourselves. And I'm just talking about public safety. I don't have a problem and I don't think you, you man, you have the right to, but I don't think you'd have, a, if you see a, a police officer put on tactical gear, a lot of times you'll hear the term riot cops. That's generally incorrect. But if you hear, tact, see tactical gear, I, I, I don't think you should, that should be a big giant issue for you. I really don't. A lot of those guys and gals are, are, are pelted with rocks and batteries and knives and pieces of glass and they go home hurt and this and that. So why wouldn't you put on that stuff? Why wouldn't you? Now, does it contribute to a false sense of security, a sense of power? I uh, hear the militarization of police. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's not where I'm going. Stop looking at that stuff. We've got to focus on the humans in those positions of power who lack the support from themselves and internally to be anything other than monsters because the monster part is fun and they do it in the name of justice. They use their dragons to burn bad men at the stake. And then when they're told you can't keep doing that because you're not always burning the right people, they can't comprehend and their hearts grow hard. And they are macho and they are toxic and, and even and dis, and dis, the women too. And it keeps on spiraling out of control. The officers that night in Memphis felt they did something good for the community. A bad person recklessly drove to the town. Maybe he was under the influence. I, to, to my knowledge, I don't think that was the case, right? But it doesn't matter. In that situation, this is this is they're the scorpion unit. They're out there to suppress crime. They're a crime suppression unit or whatever they were. I don't know what this to be honest, I don't know what the scorpion unit specific mandate was, but there's there's crime suppression units out there. That's their job, man. We show up, we knock you down. And we do it for the good of the community. So when the community says, not no more, the lines are formed, the hearts are hardened. The Thin Blue Line stickers go up. The Blue Lives Matter stickers go up. The MAGA hats go on. And the battle lines are drawn in a culture war they have already lost. It's the only thing I take with all these bigots and homophobes, and this goes outside the police issue, to some of those channels out there, those YouTube channels that, that trade in that, a lot of them in the geek and gaming culture. They're powerful. They're rich. They have a lot of viewers. They're making money. But they've already lost this culture war that they're, they're, they're fighting, they've already lost. They have already lost. The change is here. You either find your place in it or you move along. 
I don't have the answer for police brutality. I don't have the answer for police reform. I don't know if it's defunding. I don't know if it's restructuring. I don't know if it's all in training. I don't know if it's deploying non um, peace officer people into the streets. I think Denver did that and has had some good results. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think it could work. You know why it could work? Because for 17 years, I didn't have a gun on my hip and my badge wasn't sworn. It was purchased for $25 from a uniform shop. So to get out of the situations that I was in, I had to do, I had to find solutions that were based on communication and empathy, compassion, compassion and reason and everyone going home safe. Because more often than not, I was outarmed or outgunned of the people that me and my staff were dealing with. We couldn't go to the thump right away. We had to go to something else. That's why I think a lot of the, those programs I think could work. But that's another conversation. But there's a lot, I don't have those answers. I just see the world grieving. I see the world in pain. I see uh, minorities, but right now this, the focus, because the Tyree Nichols case is, 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 is the black men being killed. I, I, I see that. I see the pain. I hear the pain. I listen to the pain. I can only understand it so far, but I can reach as far as I can with empathy. And it's not yet going to get better, right? And I, I want to help find it. I want to help address the issues and I want to tell these stories and, and I want the people wearing those badges to finally understand what we're asking for or what we're feeling or what we're thinking. Because they don't. Because if you're thumping a bad guy and someone pulls out a camera, your thought is, why are you doing this? I'm trying to keep you safe. And you don't look at your own actions and you don't look at what you're doing. I just had to say all that. I had to get that off my chest and I share some things. And next week I'll talk about two fucking slices of pizza at 7-Eleven or the donut I'm about to go get with a friend at midnight. I, I, I'll fucking talk about all the things. But this is going to keep happening again. It is important to listen for all of us to listen. Listen to your friends or police officers. Find the lines of communication. But don't break the line. Hold it. I am not backing down from my thoughts, despite family members of mine who probably are a little upset with me, find old friends who I don't talk to anymore, don't talk to as much, and they're probably upset with me and have police officers from my old job. You know, I, I, I fucking have lost their numbers. And they're wearing MAGA hats and battle lines are drawn. And they only get taken down when we listen. But that's where we're at. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you still are, thanks for supporting. You can always go to the Patreon page if you want. Support over there. Uh, you can always uh, go to my website for more. You guys are the best. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Just go out and love someone. Go out and try to understand someone. Go offer uh, out there and offer compassion and lead with empathy. That's all we can do. Bye. Bye.